Well, as our children go to Children's Church, uh, we have opportunity now to do church together as we look at uh, worship not only through music, but also uh, through the Word of God. I was just thinking about uh, Michaela had an opportunity to play with us today, and, and normally what I tell her is, is she's one of the newest ones on staff, is that uh, you, since uh, you're kind of connecting with us, I said, you, you now need to dye your hair the same color that Will dyed her hair. And now since she took over for, um, just for today in the first service, as far as Devin, uh, she needs to shave her head uh, because that's uh, you. know, I was thinking about that verse uh, just before I came up. It says, uh, the end of, uh, uh, the end is near, therefore be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Have you ever gone through life where you, uh, you, you make a decision, you make a choice, and afterwards you, you, you look back and say, you know, I probably should have thought about that a little bit more before I made that choice? And, and maybe if, uh, if you're thinking in terms of things that uh, we talk about here, you might think, you know, I, I probably should have prayed about that before I did it. Anybody been there? Some of you don't really care, I guess, because you're not really responding to me. But, you know, I think as you think about life, life is filled with decisions, isn't it? In fact, life is made up of choices and decisions. And God says, hey, I want to help you out. But if, if I'm going to help you out, you, you need to consult me. So as you think of life, life uh, should be just surrounded by understanding the purpose of prayer is for God to guide you. You know, I was thinking about that in the, as we get back to First Peter this morning. You know, be hopeful no matter what. Be full of hope no matter what you encounter. And as you think about that, I'm getting a little bit of a ring up here. As you think about that, you know, why is it at times uh, we look back and say, you know, I, I'm not really sure I made the right choice or the right uh, judgment. I really wasn't under control when I when went down that path. And, and sometimes things happen and you're just uh, wondering what is going to happen after you've been given an opportunity to do something. Uh, a few years ago, uh, one I knew uh, well and do know well, came up to me and said, I, I want to do something with you. And uh, he, he's a great guy to hang out with. And I said, well, sure. And then, he, and then I checked my schedule. Yeah, that's going to work for me. And, and then he goes on and says, it's going to be an adventure. Now, now, sometimes when people say that to you, you're beginning to wonder, should I have said so, yes so quickly? What kind of an adventure are you talking about? Is this a safe adventure? Uh, what is it all about? Well, then he went on to say, well, I want you to do, I want you to go scuba, scuba diving with me. Now, that, I, I, I always wanted to do that, but one of the reasons that it prevented me from scuba diving is I'd never been certified to be a scuba diver. But I thought, well, this will be great. This will be the motivation to go through the, the certification and do that. Well, uh, some of you have heard the story before, or at least parts of it, is, is I went through the training. Uh, somewhere in the middle of the training, they asked everybody, said, well, why are you taking the training to do scuba diving? And since I was the oldest one there, they were particularly looking at me, why are you taking the training to, be, to go scuba diving? And, and I told them that uh, uh, my, my wife's cousin, Steve Kelly, had invited me to go scuba diving at the Hood Canal in Washington. And, and their response, his response back to me said, well, that's great, but all this training is not going to prepare you to go scuba diving in the Hood Canal in Washington. Because if you go up there, what you have to do is you don't use a normal wetsuit. You have to use a dry wetsuit. And we're not training you to do a dry wetsuit. Well, I'd already paid my money, so I was going to go through the, the training and went through that and went up there. And when I got up there, Steve goes, oh, that's no problem. You'll, you'll be able to do that. And I said, well, you have another dry suit? You're going to train me to do that? No, I only have one dry suit, and I want to keep warm. I'm going to use that. <laughs> but, but I'm going to let you use a, a heavier mill wetsuit, and, and it'll work. You know, I'm thinking about, do I need to think about this a little bit more? Do I need to pray about this a little bit more before I make this choice? 
But, but I decided I'd be full of hope, and actually in Scripture, being full of hope sometimes is, is just uh, is the same way to say I'm full of faith. I'm, I'm going to trust this is going to have a good outcome rather than a bad outcome. And, and as I went in there, and not only was it going to be colder than any water I'd ever dived in, but it was also going to be deeper than I'd ever dived. But, but why did I make that choice? I ended up taking the dive with him, actually a number of dives with him. It was for two particular reasons. One is, Steve believed I could do it, and he was an expert diver. And then secondly, he told me that he was going to be with me throughout the entire dive. And when you think about life, when you think about how God can make a difference in how we live and what we do and uh, what God calls us to be, the whole difference is that we can be full of hope, we can be full of faith, Primarily for two reasons. One, that God believes that we can do what he's called us to do and to be. And also that he can give that hope that we can actually get it done. And, and, and then he says this, I'm going to be with you always. So this morning we're going to be talking about uh, having hope. But not only having hope, but being sure that... Put my mic down. Move this away from me. Let's start all over, okay? I want to tell that story a little better, all right? So as, as we, it, it, this morning what I want to talk, I want you to be filled with hope. No matter what you've been going through or what you're going through now or what you've, you're concerned about what's going to happen in the future, is that God, uh, God wants you uh, to be filled with the, the confidence that he's got your future in his hands. But you need to trust him. Trust him that, that he really believes that you can do whatever he calls you to do and to be, but also that he's always going to be with you. But as we think about being people full of hope, uh, let, let's go to the next step. If we, as God's people, are full of hope, then he wants us to be in that place where we share this hope with others. Because anything good that happens in your life, you ought to share it with others. And there's nothing better than having a relationship with a God who changes everything. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 1 Peter chapter 3. And in 1 Peter chapter 3, and I'm trying to speak faster than my tongue will get me to speak. We're going to move me back and back and back until I get wet. All right. You know, you derail me a few times. I'm not going to remember what I was going to say this morning. All right. So in 1 Peter chapter 3, we have, we have Peter uh, sharing this word of hope and also preparing them not only to experience the confidence that God has their future in his hands and, and knowing that, that whatever we're going through now, no matter how difficult it's going to be, uh, in the days to come, we know ultimately it doesn't get any better than being confidently assured that God uh, is in control. But what he wants to do is say, I don't want you to keep this to yourself. I, I want you to go out and I want you to share this hope with others. And as he does that, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. Are you a source of hope? But as I was thinking about that, as they have already read the words that he has spoken to them in this letter, uh, they're starting to probably take a step back and saying, you know, I'm not really sure you're the best example of being a person filled with faith and filled with hope because uh, we know, you know, we know some of your history. You haven't always been that. And as you look at Peter, we need to recognize that Peter, at, at times he was a person that was more filled with fear than he was being fearless. Uh, Peter was fearful. I have that reference, and we're not going to turn to it. In Mark chapter 14, Verses 66 through 72, we have the story of, of Peter right after he had demonstrated that he was a person full of faith and confidence and hope that God had things in control. 
as Jesus was arrested, he was willing to take a pocket knife and, and, and take on the whole Roman guard that had come to pick up Jesus, uh, missed a person's head, sliced off their ear, and he was, he was, he was there to, to do battle with anyone. Uh, but God uh, had a different plan because this was not something in which Jesus was a victim. He was prepared to go to the cross. But then after Jesus left and he was going through the trials, Peter was alone. And where he was before fearless, uh, before facing a a Roman guard and those who had come to arrest Jesus, uh, now a little servant girl had come up. And when the little servant girl said, haven't you been with Jesus? He began to shout out that that he didn't know Jesus. And he did it three times. And if you know the rest of the story, then he even curses at the end. No, I don't know him. And then he's cut to the heart because that's exactly what Jesus said that he was going to do. He's going to deny his relationship with the one he was willing to fight for, uh, but now was afraid of a little servant girl. But then we know that something happened. happened. Peter was no longer fearful, but you describe his life as fearless. And why did that happen? Because in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, we have the promise that Jesus gave them. He said, look, it's going to be better that I leave you. It said that earlier. But I want you to know when I leave, the Holy Spirit is going to come and live within you. And then throughout the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 5, I have an account there. But in Acts chapter 5, you have Peter now, after being arrested and going through all kinds of things, fearless in his proclamation of the message of Jesus Christ. He's willing to share this source of hope where before he was filled with fear and couldn't talk about Jesus. And so as we think about that, that's God's challenge for each one of us who, who claim the name of Jesus, who, who will want to be identified as his followers. What are we doing with this relationship that fills us with faith and hope? And are we willing to share this faith and hope with others? Well, Peter picks this theme up in 1 Peter chapter 3, beginning again with things that at times will trip us up in terms of being bold followers of Jesus Christ. And that's not during good times, but during difficult times. And so he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? So they were filled with uh, the reality, and it was going to be their experience, that they would suffer persecution and suffering. But he says, I want you to understand, though, when when you do that which is good, most of the time you'll be be protected from those who want to do you harm. But then he goes on and says, but the reality, verse 14... But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are, what? Blessed. Now, if there, there are many passages in Scripture we, we go to and we're not sure what they mean and, and we're trying to figure out what they understand, what, they, what, what, what the point is. This is a pretty simple point, but it's hard to believe. You know, it, you are blessed. There, there are good things that are going to happen in you when you go through difficult times. Why? Because you, you identify with Jesus. And the reality is because you'll experience God's presence in a deeper way. You honor him by being willing to put your life on the line for other people to see that you are identifying with someone that is essential for you, which is a relationship with the living God. And then he goes on and says, quote something from from Isaiah, and do not fear their intimidation and do not be troubled. Long story back here, he goes back to Isaiah in which the king of of uh, in Israel, Judah's period of time, they they want to make false alliances with other nations because they're more fearful of of other people than they were fearful of God. 
He says, you don't have to be intimidated because if God's on your side, what, what, you know, what, what are you worried about? But really, that's kind of the introduction to the, the main point he wants to get across to them, and it's a verse that we urge you to memorize, but it really speaks about now, okay, you have hope, even in the midst of suffering, that even when suffering happens, and it might not happen to some as it happens to others, but you are blessed, you are uh, favored by God because he's seen you as able to stand up for him in the midst of difficult times, and, and you need to recognize we don't need to fear people, we need to fear God because he really is the one that we can trust in. And then he goes on and says, okay, now, now I want to put the application into your life. And the application in your life is that I want you to be a source of hope. I, I don't want you to just experience God's hope. I don't want you to just experience God's goodness. I want you to share it with others. And this is kind of the, the passage where we can kind of just outline, okay, what, what, are the, what are the marching orders for God's people? And this is what he said. What are the steps to become a source of hope? I want to read the verse that's in your outline this morning, and then we just want to break it down. Peter writes, But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So he's speaking to God's people here. This, this is not for those who are still trying to figure out, is this, is this the journey that I want to get on? He's not talking about people who still aren't ready to embrace Jesus, but those who've embraced Jesus as their Lord and Savior. He says, okay, now I want you to put into practice and understand what this really means. And what's one step related to that? The first phrase says, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So if you identify yourself as a follower of Jesus, what should be true about what you mean by that? If you call yourself a Christian, what should be true about that? What it means is that you have come to that place in your life where you sanctify, which is a religious word, really means to set apart, it means to submit, it means to surrender, it means to seek first something. And what is this? To range yourself under but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. So really what he is saying here is just what is your relationship with Jesus? Is Jesus for you someone, well, I got a ticket to get out of, out of hell. I got a ticket to get into heaven. I've now settled eternity and now I can do whatever I want. And he says, you need to understand that fundamentally you believe in Jesus as Savior, but with that you believe in who Jesus is as the Savior. He is Lord. He, he, he's the one in charge. He's the one who calls the shots. He's the one who leads your life. He, he's the one you seek first more than anyone and anything else in this world. And so this is the challenge for all, all of us that we need to recognize that we if we're going to really experience hope in our own life in its fullness, and if we're going to be prepared to share this hope with others, it begins with the very first step. What is your relationship with Jesus? Have you come to that place in your life where you've submitted to him, you've surrendered to him, and he is the leader of your life? He is the one who who's in charge of your life. He is the one you submit everything in your life to him as the one that you seek first. I've added that phrase, but submit to Jesus, Lord, don't just 
simply, or don't just simply believe in Jesus. We're going to look in our life group this week that there are various places in Scripture where people believed in Jesus, and yet Jesus said, I know what's really in their heart, and what's in their heart is they don't really believe in me. There's a place in James where it says even the demons believe that God is one, and, and I don't think the demonic world has a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. That we are saved completely by God's grace. It's nothing that we do to earn it. It comes to that place where we recognize that what he did on the cross was sufficient. It doesn't mean that we understand everything about or apply everything about his lordship in our life. But to recognize it's a package deal. That Jesus is our savior and he is our Lord. And he says this is the beginning of that. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So each of us needs to ask our question, what, what is our relationship with Jesus? Is he just uh, a person that we think highly of? Is it a person that we're thankful that he paid the price for our sins? Do we see Jesus as, as someone that maybe has some wise things for us to think about? Or have we come to that place where we have submitted ourselves, surrendered ourselves completely as being the, the leader, the one who calls the shots in our life. But sanctify, set apart Jesus as Lord, the leader of your life. But, but then he goes on and, and, you know, it's kind of like that thing, you know, remember those bracelets that were pretty popular, at least in the Christian world a while back, the WWJD, what would what would Jesus do? I guess you've heard about that, right? What would Jesus do? It's, it really is kind of the practical way to look at that. As we go through life, uh, when we are prepared to pray about what we're doing and think about what we're doing, we, you know, that's the question we would ask. Well, what would Jesus do? In some ways, I kind of like a, a different little bracelet, you know, that what WDJD, what did Jesus do? How you know what would Jesus do is by looking at what did Jesus do, right? And, and that ought to be just a, a picture of us as Christ followers, that that's, that's what we consider when we, when we live our life. But, but then he goes on and says this, always being ready to make a defense to everyone asks you. So let's just focus on that phrase, always being ready. You know what the word always means in the original language? Always, all right? So, so as we think about the Christian life, in fact, God, this, this is the, this is the thing I've probably been, I've, people said to me almost all my professional life as a, a Christian, you know, as, you know, I've said to you many times, I get paid for being good. You're all good for nothing. You know, I, you know, I, so this is my job. All right. Uh, and sometimes when people look at me and they say, well, you know, that's, that's a pretty easy job. You only work how many days a week? You know, one day a week, right? After Sunday, you got the rest of the week to do whatever you want. And, and, and I understand what they mean by that. But as you think about it, sometimes let's just turn it on all of ourselves. Sometimes that's how we view the Christian life, isn't it? You know, I, I, I'm supposed to be pretty good on Sunday, and the rest of my life I can kind of focus on whatever I'm involved in. And really what God wants to say to us is that whatever you're involved in, that's great, but take Jesus with you, right? And as you think about taking Jesus with you practically, how does that work out? Where you're always ready to represent him. Isn't that, isn't that his plan for us? That, that, that we are little Christ figures going out. We, you know, the one thing I know about God is I'm not him. But as we think about it, we always represent God. Isn't that true? 
And for that to happen practically, we got to be always ready to represent him. It's not like how many of us drive, and I guess this is a little bit of confession. You know, true confession is good for the heart. You know, I drive sometimes a little bit differently if there's a certain color car behind me, right? And what we're saying here is that I should always be ready to, to drive in a way that that doesn't break the law, that's honoring God, no matter whether there's... Isn't it nice now in those um, GPSs, they tell you if they're those kind of cars around you? Okay, no. <laughs> and what he's saying, look, we need to always be ready. We need to always be ready to represent Jesus. And, and, and yeah, true confession as well. I, I, that's not always true of me. You know, sometimes I'm out there in my, in my heart and my mind, and I'm not thinking about it. I, I represent Jesus seven days a week. And, and so Peter is speaking in their lives and, and he could share his victories as well as defeats. Was he always ready as he knew Jesus? No, but what made a difference was when Jesus was next to him, he lived a certain way. And when Jesus wasn't next to him, he lived another way. But when, when Jesus left, he says, you know, it's going to be even better when I leave. Because when I was here physically, there were times I wasn't physically next to you. But now... The Spirit of God not only is next to us, He's what? He's in us. He's in us. In fact, the Bible says our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you. Whom you have from God, you've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. We got God in a bod, all right? And as we think about that, what it's saying is not only do we have him re- being resident in our lives, but he wants us to live in such a way that people can see God in us by our attitudes and by our actions and how we live, how we respond when things go badly and how we give credit to when things go well. So as we think about experiencing God's hope, but also being a source of hope, we want to live a certain way. It begins with a choice, putting Jesus as Lord. And that's a daily experience. It begins at a point point in life, a moment in life, but it's an ongoing challenge to have him live out his lordship in our life. Then secondly, always being ready to talk about, to, as we're going to look at it, to talk about, not only live for Jesus, but to talk about Jesus. And the best way to do that, you know, we just have a new pr- uh, verse on prayer, uh, memory verse, is that you're going to talk to people more about God when you talk to God about people. So we need to be praying for people that we care about and say, God, I, I want to have opportunities not to, to, to berate them, but maybe have a way to speak into their lives. But then he goes on and, and he makes this statement. Make, be ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. So you got that word hope in there. That's his theme throughout the book, Be Hopeful. And really when he speaks about hope, he's talking about that hope that we have that it's true that God lives within us and always goes with us. And also we have the hope not only for the present, but for the future. And he says, I want you to be ready to make a defense. The word defense here, and some put it to to give an answer uh, with this, is that it really, it comes from a word from which it's apologia in the Greek. And it's not that we give an apology for our faith, but what we do here is that we give a reason for our faith. 
to give a to give an answer. Why is it you believe in Jesus? Why why are you falling? Why do you identify yourself as a Christian? Why do you waste whatever time you spend here on Sundays or whatever other things you do throughout the week? Why do you waste all that time reading this old book? Why is it you spend time praying to someone that's not up there? Why why, why do you identify with Jesus as the one that? died for you and rose again and that and why why is it you believe that G- give me a give me a response to that uh, to give an account the word of account here is the word that we get it's the word logos in the original language uh, give me a word give me an explanation as to why you believe what you believe why you have this hope that that always goes with you and really practically what he's saying is, it, is you, we, we all need to be ready at any time uh, to talk about Jesus. And to talk about Jesus, when, when we get that opportunity, we got to be prepared to have something to say. Okay, that was pretty good, easy to fill in that blank, right? So when that opportunity happens, what are you going to say? And, and it's not going to be always the best thing to say, well, let me give you my pastor's telephone number. You can call him, all right? I mean, I love those kind of conversations, but you're going to better be able to speak with them because they know you than I would if I don't know them. So you need to always be prepared. Well, how can I give that to you very practically? I would probably put it this way. You need to have a, uh, your personal subjective reasons for believing in Jesus, and then you, have, you need to have your personal objective reasons. Now, what do I mean by that? Probably put, could have put it this way in the outline. You need, to, you need to be able to answer very clearly, why did you, you personally become a Christian? What is it that brought you to that place of putting your trust in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord? Now, depending upon where in your chronological age, you might have a very simple explanation of there, or you might have a much more complicated explanation of that. But you ought to be able to give a 15 seconds, there's a three-minute testimony, a five-minute testimony, a 20-minute testimony, but you ought to be able to say in just a few sentences, why did, you, why did you initially become a follower of Jesus? For me, this is a real spiritual reason. The reason I decided I needed to make a choice about Jesus, I wanted to have confidence in what was going to happen to me when I, boy, you really know my testimony, right? And you think, well, that's not a very good reason. Well, you know, at an early age, I, I realized some people lived and some people died. And I, I wanted to know what happened when I died. And even at an early age, I, you know, I, I was trying to think, well, who, who has some answers to this? Who, who is claiming that, that there can be life after death? And, and not only that, who has claimed that, I, that he can take away my fears and, and my concerns and my worries in life? And who can give me direction? And at that point, I, I looked at Jesus and said, Jesus said that, that he was the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in him will live even if he, even if he dies. And so at an early age, I, I trusted that Jesus was who he claimed to be. Now, they might then say, well, that's, that's, that's nice. You did that when you were a little person, you know. What about now? Why do you still believe in that? That was a fairy tale you believed when you were too, too uh, simple-minded to understand the facts of life, all right? Why do you still believe? then I think you ought to have some answers for that as well, for you, your reasons. Not, not, not your pastor's reasons, but your reasons. Why do, why do you believe this is true? And, and it could be a variety of things. It, it could be what we talked about just a few weeks ago, that 
there was a man named Jesus who claimed to be God and he, he died a real death and he was buried in a real tomb and three days later it was what? It was empty. And I look at all the other rational explanations of that, they don't make sense to me. It's easier to believe that Jesus rose from the dead than it is to believe he didn't rise from the dead. Or you might say, well, you know, what really has caused me to continue to believe is I've looked at people's lives who've changed. There's no way to explain how they were used to be this way and now they're this way and other than it was Jesus. Or maybe you looked at all the prophecies related to Jesus and how they were fulfilled in a miraculous way in one individual, this man named Jesus of Nazareth. And how do you explain that? You might look at a variety of reasons, but why is it you really believe it's true? You don't have to have a 10-hour seminar with them about why you believe, but give simple reasons why you believe it's actually true. He's given you peace in your life, and you can't figure out any other reason why you have that peace in your life because he's changed what has happened in your own experience. But have reasons why, first of all, you can explain very simply, why did you first become a follower of Jesus, and, and why are you still following Jesus? Does that make sense? So what are the steps to become a source of hope? First of all, Jesus has got to be in charge. You need to submit to him as Lord. Secondly, you need to be always ready to represent him well in your life, but also in your words. Be ready to, to talk about Jesus. Talk to God about people before you talk to people about God. You need to be clear to yourself. You're not going to share anything that you're not convinced is true. And it's got to be clear both your personal reasons or your subjective reasons and your objective reasons. Is this making sense? All right. Fourthly, you need to trust, you need to treat people like Jesus treats people. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. You know, I already shared with you that uh, some people think I only work one day a week, um, you know, Sunday, but... You know what's interesting is that another thing that people say a lot about people in my vocation is that they use that word preach not in always the most positive context. You know, when you're overbearing with someone, when, when you're trying to argue with someone, when you're trying to put someone down or tell them something they don't want to hear, sometimes the response back to you is, well, will you stop preaching at me? You ever heard that? Just stop preaching at me. I'm thinking, why is that such a negative term, you know? But it's become that way, let's be honest, because of people like me sometimes communicate the message of Jesus in a way that, that isn't always the best way, right? Or other Christians have done that. You know, we're, we're domineering, we're overly aggressive, we're, we're very pushy, we're, we're trying to put people down before we lift them up. Now, the reality of that. Let me just be honest, however, in my experience, that doesn't happen as much as people think it does. Most of the time, we don't say anything about Jesus rather than saying things about Jesus in a negative, in a, in a overly aggressive way, all right? I've had very few people that I've been around, unless they're, they're, wearing, they're, they're carrying some kind of huge sign and they have a bullhorn, Okay. Most of us, we're not overly aggressive. We're a little bit more passive. Would you shake your head if you kind of agree with that a little bit, okay? All right, but, but, but let's just say this, however. We, we can, in other ways, be ways that don't reflect the love of Christ, but ways that just 
irritate people. And so he says, look, I, I want you to do it with gentleness and reverence. Now, gentleness has the idea of humility and being sensitive and caring uh, with a person you're talking to. Sometimes the best way to initially talk about Jesus is don't say anything. Just show them that you care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care, right? And, and there are times when you speak about Jesus, the, probably the, one of the best ways to do it is use it by asking questions. Kind of, tr- kind of draw them out with spiritual uh, subject. You know, tell me what you believe about God. Tell me what you believe about. Tell me what you think about Jesus. Tell me what you think about the church. Or, or do you go to church at all? What kind of experiences you've had in church? And just see if the conversation opens up and you, and you begin it gently. And, you, and you're willing to hear whatever they have to say and respond to it. And then you, then you begin to drift, drift to the point where it's, well, let me tell you what, what I've learned about Jesus and, and what I believe about Jesus. Or, or you could even ask them the question, well, would you, be, would you like to hear about what I believe about Jesus? Or begin by just simply saying, would you, would you like, you know, I've never talked talk to you about this, but you wanna, would you like for me to tell you what's the most important person my entire life is? And then you just talk about Jesus. But do it gently with sensitivity and caring. But then he, then he uses the word reverence. And you think, well, reverence? Are you supposed to reverence the person you're talking to? I don't think that's really what he's saying here. I think it's a reverence for God, but it's a, really a reverence for the person. And, and really the idea here, reverence, I think would be, you could define this, is with respect. You see them as a person that God made in his image. You see that person of, a, of immense value. You really care about them. You're not just trying to win the argument, but, you're, but you treat them with respect. And the reality is not only do you, are you willing to speak to them, but you're willing to listen from them. And, and, and you're willing to interact with them and say, well, tell me what you believe or why you believe it. Well, let me tell you why, what I believe and why I believe it. And, and you're willing to exchange the truth. There are times where Jesus turned up the heat and so the Apostle Paul, but as you think about Jesus... He spoke into people's lives and he showed that he cared. And then he spoke the truth. Paul put it this way. We are to speak the truth in what? In love. And that's what he's saying here. So what does it mean to be a person who can share the the hope with others? First of all, it begins with really making sure that our relationship with God is right. And that, that begins with making Jesus what? Lord. And then as we think about really being prepared to share our hope with others, we need to be how often should we, we be ready? Always being ready to talk about Jesus. And thirdly, we need to have something to share. Well, let's share our story. You don't have to have read every single book about the Bible or have every answer prepared to, every question prepared to be answered, but, but know why you believe, what brought you to faith, and, and why you still believe. And then you need to be, remember that, hey, we're, we're talking about people, so we treat people like Jesus treated people. And then finally, as we think about God's call for us, is we need to handle hardship and suffering like Jesus. It's not always going to go well in our life. It's not always going to go well when we talk to others about Jesus. And he just adds this right after he, he gives us verse 15. Verse 16, he says this, And keep a good conscience, so that in the thing in which you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ will be put to shame. Now, we could talk more about that passage, but primarily what he's saying here, look, you need to understand is that 
There are times you're going to be criticized uh, for your faith and what you believe and how you believe in it and what it's all about. And there'll be people who are going to criticize how you live your life. But if we're living our life rightly, in the end, those who have criticized us will be put to shame that we didn't do that which was wrong, but we did that which is right. And really, as you think about it, that Jesus, in Acts chapter 10, verse 38, I think it says, is that Jesus went about doing good, but then they still put him on the cross. And there are going to be times when you do that which is good and people still are going to persecute you or say things about you. And at that point, we just act like Jesus. We, we suffer hardship and we suffer uh, criticism and we recognize that, that Jesus... He, he, he was criticized way more than we'll ever be criticized. And he suffered way more than we ever will suffer. And, and yet he treated people with love. And he shared with them the truth. And he did not back down. So what's the point this morning? The point this morning is not only have the hope, but share the hope. The point this morning is not only keep the faith, but give it away. Uh, the point this morning is be people who have experienced the hope of God, but, but share that hope with others. And hopefully as we close, you can even be identifying right now people in your heart and your mind that, that need to know Jesus. Who, who are the people that I care about? Who are the people that I, I, I need to talk to about my faith, where my hope is? We are all called to be a part of God's plan and program of helping people see Jesus and hear about Jesus. And it comes from God's people being always ready to share the hope they have in Christ. Let's pray together. Now, Father, I pray right now for each of us who are followers of Jesus. For those who are students, uh, Father, might they recognize the people they do school with are, are people that Jesus loves. For those who are involved in any kind of a sport, whether you're a young person or an adult, that here are people that need to know Jesus. And we are your representatives. And for family uh, and, and for people that we know, uh, neighbors and people that we do life with, might we be ready and eager to give a reason, to give an answer, to give a explanation of who Jesus is and why we believe and put our trust in him. Might we be a people that are called out to call others to you. And Father, there's anyone here online or in person that is really struggling with their faith. Maybe they've never made that commitment. Might they really believe that Jesus went to the cross for them? And rose again so that they could have life. Life abundant now, but life eternal throughout all of eternity. Might they just surrender their hearts to Jesus as their Lord, their leader, and their Savior, forgiving them of their sin. Father, help us to, to be the people of God and share with others about the one who came for them. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.